Welcome to Track Listing, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old albums for some reason. Nick. Chris. And I'm Caleb, and this week it's uh, it's my pick, and I picked Donnie Darko. Yeah! Uh, oh. Oh, all right. Oh, wow. Hey, settle down, oh, easy. folks. Easy. Easy. A lot easy. of excitement for Donnie Darko this week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Big crowd. Big uh, crowd. It's a film from 2001. I remember watching it when I was in college. And uh, I think I remember getting the soundtrack, I guess, off of like uh, Napster or LimeWire or something. But I listened to the soundtrack quite a bit. Iconic. Um, Iconic. Yeah, I was texting with some friends earlier today, mentioned that we were doing this, and one of them said this was the best soundtrack of all time. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's a, a pretty good one. Best and soundtrack, all... best movie of all time. <laughs> best movie of all Is time. Is it now? <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> I should say that we are reviewing, I guess, the 2004 British re-release of this soundtrack. There's a few different versions. Some of them are a little bit more score-heavy. You'll recognize the music and we'll talk about it as it goes. Let's jump right in. Here we go. Up first, we've got In Excess with Never Tear Us Apart. I told you that we could fly because we all have wings, but some of us don't know why. I was standing. You were there Two worlds colliding And they could never In Excess has come up uh, a lot more recently on track listing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this was a recommendation that our one of our guests made on the Lost Boys soundtrack episode. Brian West, what up? I had to be sure not to play the same clip with the uh, the sleazy sax solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We almost got it there. <laughs> this is interesting because I rewatched the movie uh, last night and this song is not in it because this is only in, I think, the director's cut that was re-released in 2004. Yeah, so I think the, what the original cut of this movie was two hours and 45 minutes, which is insane. <laughs> And then uh, I guess he went back and did a uh, director's cut not too long ago, which I, I have not seen. I think they switched up the, the music in the director's cut. In the theatrical release, you had the the song that comes up later on the soundtrack by, uh, I won't say which song it is, but a uh, song by Echo and the Bunnymen that plays yeah. over the top of the film. But in the director's cut, you've got this track, Never Tear Us Apart, uh, that plays over the top of the film. I actually, uh, I remember when the director's cut came out because it was really well uh, received critically. And so some friends and I, I was living outside of Portland at the time and we went and actually saw it in the theater because when this movie, when Donnie Darko first came out in 2001, first of all, it was like a true independent release, which is kind of crazy because it looks, it looks pretty great. And the fact that it has this soundtrack on like a small budget, I don't know how that happened. I think originally when they, when they put out the soundtrack, it was the, uh, you know, the, that score soundtrack. And I don't think it was until it got enough money that came in later, maybe like after a couple of years, after it gained a little bit of uh, status. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just surprised that they got like the music for the movie. And, uh, and another thing that happened was that 
this movie was going to be released uh and the app like the advertising campaign went out before 9-11 and there was like a plot point <laughs> a big plot point is a, a plane crash in this movie yeah so it got like submarined even more than it would have for an independent release and so right. it, it really almost went yeah it almost went straight to video it was like a or the stars network is what <laughs> someone else said <laughs> straight to Redbox. <laughs> straight to stars it's funny. So I remember, you know, so some friends and I, we got into this movie when we were in college. And I think uh, even more than that, we really got into the soundtracks. So when it was re-released in theaters, and obviously we'd never seen a theater. We're like, oh, yeah, let's just go. It'll be fun. Uh, we get tickets. It's like a big kind of independent theater in Portland. And we go down there and it's like, you know, we already have tickets, but it's a huge line. It's like a whole thing. And people are dressed up as characters and stuff. And we're like, oh, boy. It's like, oh, no, this is still going to be okay, right? And we go in, and it's, like, so crowded that I, I think a lot of us can't even, like, sit together. It's kind of like, oh, fuck. And uh, the movie's going, and, and it's, like, a little bit of, like, a midnight movie thing where people are, like, yelling some lines here and there. And you're like, all right. But there's the one line that on rewatch, it's still, like, I find a little bit cringy where uh, they're in the movie theater, and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's talking to the, the creepy rabbit guy. Frank and he mm-hmm. says yeah he's talking to Frank and he's like why do you wear that stupid rabbit mask or whatever and Frank goes why do you wear that stupid human mask yeah. and uh, the crowd <laughs> starts cheering like a bunch of people start cheering and that's when I realized <laughs> that I'm like watching a movie with a bunch of nascent furries it's eventually it's like a furry convention that I'm in, in a oh, movie theater. <laughs> I mean I didn't know that at the point but like looking back at it I was like oh yeah <laughs> it was like sexual for all those people yeah, but it was I mean, still- you know, poor furries. They didn't have a championed movie uh, yet. This is the closest yeah, yeah. time. Thing. Yeah. yeah, this is the closest thing the, to it. The first <laughs> sexy, creepy, nerdy, <laughs> blushy <laughs> furries. That'll take us straight into track two. This is Tears for Fears with Head Over Heels. You keep your distance, be the system of interesting story about this uh, song used in the movie apparently Michael Kelly I believe this is his uh, screenplay and maybe like directorial debut Uh, yeah Richard Uh, Kelly Richard Kelly my mistake Richard Kelly you know the movie has this uh, you know the the setting for the movie is like a mythological Virginia setting and uh, I think the movie takes place in like 1988 yeah, that's true. And he specifically wanted to use this song in the movie. And the producers were like, there's no way we're going to be able to get that song. He was apparently wasting a bunch of money right off the bat trying to get that steady cam shot that this song is used in in the movie where it's like in the high school. This is my favorite part of the entire movie. Is oh, this, my God. This long it's, shot. It's it, really, really good. It's one of the best scenes in like cinema history set to music. I love it so much. Yeah, so he shot that scene and then without having the rights to the song yet, he uh, when they were cutting the film together, he had the editor cut it together to uh, Head Over Heels 
and uh, sent that little clip to Tears for Fears, and they loved it. Yeah. And they said they were going to, you know, do their best to try to help him get the song in the movie because, you know, a lot of times the licensing is out of the hands of the artist at that point. That makes sense because this is like uh, Tears for Fears is like to Richard Kelly, apparently, as the kinks are to Wes Anderson because they're like all, you know, the one of the biggest songs from the soundtrack is a Tears for Fears cover. I think, right. I think that there is a second tears for fears song in the movie that's not on the soundtrack but don't quote me on that yeah i mean it's it's such a risky move like shooting and cutting to a song that you don't have the rights to but uh you know it worked out and it works so well yeah i think that's the lesson uh because i've heard that a similar story to that with us with several different movies is like so they couldn't get the rights but they approached the band directly after like editing it perfectly to the music or editing that scene perfectly to the music. And usually the bands, if they like it, they're, they're willing to help out or something. But my favorite yeah. thing that happened, it kind of went like wrong <laughs> with a story like that is when um, they were making that Godzilla movie with Matthew Broderick <laughs> and the, <laughs> they contact the Foo Fighters and then the Foo Fighters went to see the movie and they were like, it plays over like the last part of the credit sequence. <laughs> they were like, ah, what the fuck? What the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that one of the, one of the reasons why this film works, because uh, like the more you rewatch it, the more you realize like how it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I like uh, the director's cut is more explicit about kind of the rules of the world you're in. And there's also like some uh, writing out there that kind of explains more of what's actually happening. And it's like, it gets like goofier and goofier the more you realize what's actually supposed to be happening. But the, the reason why the film holds up is because like the context, like the, the 1980, you know, late eighties, Virginia and the family relationships is all so good that it kind of like, it, you're fine with a kind of inscrutable science fiction plot happening in the background or, or I guess happening on top of like, because maybe it's partly acting and partly writing, but uh, I know that the writer director, he grew up uh, in Virginia. I think like his dad worked for NASA or something. So, you know, he, yeah. he obviously went to like some prep school that was very similar to the fictional one in the movie. Yeah, I read somewhere that they, uh, s- someone said that the movie was like Back to the Future with like a Twin Peaks sheen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's kind of well, yeah, true. I, I always f- thought the uh, science fiction element was like secondary to the character development and like just the uh, the acting in general in this movie. Yeah, I actually think that the, the theatrical cut, I think, is probably leaving out some of the more explicit sci-fi things that are that uh, the director wanted in the movie because I, I like read about it and it, like I said, it gets goofy and I think it's better if it's kind of this this weird notion of fate or there's like a time loop that you can kind of catch on to. But the harder you look at it, maybe the worse it looks. But uh, You guys want to get into track three? Let's do it. We've got The Church with Under the Milky Way. And it's something quite peculiar Something shimmering and white It leads you here Despite your destination Under the Milky Way tonight Wish I 
feel like that song could have been by like any band from the new wave. <laughs> Very new wave. Very new wave. I actually, I, I like the church quite a bit. They're always, uh, I think that they're actually, they're an Australian band and I definitely think they must have like a bigger career there because I was looking into it. I think they have maybe 17 studio releases. Jesus. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, so they're very prolific and have been together for decades. But this was kind of their high watermark where they just sounded like Echo and the Bunnymen, essentially. But uh, yeah. I, have a, I have a few of their albums like in the mid to late 80s that I like quite a bit. Everything on this album could have come out from the same band. I don't think we would have been any the wiser. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about it when we were listening to Tears for Fears, but uh, it, it's always struck me about them that they... You would you would expect them to be a much more kind of uh, look like the Cure, like very goth or like Susie and the Banshees or something. But when yeah. you see, especially um, like the, their big hits were from their second record, and all the video, they look really preppy. Yeah, <laughs> they just look like like kind of preppy bros, and they're uh, but they're playing this kind of like dark emotional music. The music video for Head Over Heels, they're like uh, in a library. Yeah, it's kind of goofy. <laughs> I don't know. I, they're always like, uh, since they're a duo for the most part, I know like what songs from the big chair is like the yeah. album cover. I keep, uh, yeah, yeah. that's the only thing I know them from. <laughs> and they, they look pretty like new a, wavy. They look pretty new wavy on that, but I yeah, watch the cable knit sweaters. They, they look like, uh, a lot closer to like a Huey Lewis than, than like, a I don't know, psychedelic furs or something. A go West par exemple. Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they got their toes into the go west i watched a video of uh, tears for fears performing uh, a live concert uh, recently and uh they've still got it they've still got the same look and like they still sound great and they're i don't know they might be the best band of the 80s mm. <laughs> i don't agree with that but i like them quite a bit. <laughs> it might be no way to know for sure yeah, as far as looking the same that, yeah they nailed that dad look in 1988 apparently <laughs> <laughs> You guys want to hear track four? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Sam Bauer and Gerard Bauer with Lucid Memory. glad that they included this on the soundtrack yeah do you guys uh i didn't realize so i i cued um this episode before i rewatched it and i didn't realize at all where this music was from oh uh, yeah <laughs> chris did you rewatch the movie i did not i've seen it very recently i saw it within the okay, last okay. year with kelsey yeah this is a uh, scoring patrick swayze's self-help uh videos <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i love it i love it so, oh, man, so <laughs> the people talking about like escaping their fear or whatever it's so good patrick yeah, swayze I, I should say is probably the most famous person in this movie at the time but at the time he, like he was he'd kind of uh worn out his welcome <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah he was in a huge dip and this kind of brought him back i would say yeah, but we have so the the lead of this movie, Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that the own like he was one of the kids in. Uh, oh shit! In he's coming hot off of City Slickers. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, City Slickers. He was one of the kids. Yeah, yeah. And he then was, I, uh, I think this, this movie kid. came out the same year as that Bubble Boy movie he did. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, the uh, the beginning of that track. I was um, when I was listening to it in the movie. I thought it was like the music from Super Mario sixty four when you're in the cave. <laughs> yeah, the underwater so, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that Twin Peaks sound you guys were talking about. That's yeah. Definitely. Oh man, I, I heard they uh, they filmed a lot of his uh, self help videos. Uh, on Patrick Swayze's ranch, which is great. <laughs> He's like, yeah, just come on to my ranch. If you guys want to film up there, I don't care. There's a great um, subtle nod to, you know, Patrick Swayze ends up being the child pornographer later in the movie. <laughs> in like one of the quick cuts on one of his self-help videos, he kind of pats a kid on the butt and you can just barely see it. And I was like, oh, oh there it goes. Dude, there is, uh, this movie is is made so smartly in that, um, it's like he burns down Donnie Darko um, is kind of uh, manipulated by the, the rabbit to burn down Patrick Swayze's home. And then it's just like, you're kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the guy was an asshole or whatever. And then it's the next morning there's a news report. And it's just like, uh, investigators found what they are describing as a kitty porn dungeon. <laughs> like, Whoa. Oh. They wouldn't say kitty porn dungeon. on the movie. <laughs> But it, uh, 1988 you know who yeah, knows yeah yeah it's local <laughs> news baby you're saying this guy's into kids <laughs> yeah ice yeah yeah ice that's right man <laughs> you work for the sex crimes division <laughs> uh those i guess those are brothers that did that uh music gerard bauer and sam bauer yeah well let's dive into the next track and then we'll talk about it yeah, maybe uh, another brother coming in here. This is uh, Gerard Bauer and Mike Bauer with Lucid Assembly. Yeah, I set that up like I was going to have something to say about the Bowers, but I don't know anything about these people. I just I love the clip in the movie where the where the moms are talking about Patrick Swayze's character, and they're like, "God, I can't believe he's singing." <laughs> Dude, I okay, so I you know I I had watched this movie quite a bit. I think when I was in college, and like I said, I went and saw it in the theater, and uh, pretty great. And I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I was kind of expecting. I feel like the the inclusion of kind of like hard sci-fi into you know kind of a stranger things type of thing it's it's something that's so prevalent in television now that i was mm-hmm. kind of expecting this to be hollowed out a little bit by having like uh imitated you know being imitated so much but uh it really holds up i feel like this movie was really good oh yeah no i i really enjoyed it uh when i saw it less than a year ago and it's it's one of my favorites of all times so, i mean oh it, it, well there you go def- it definitely hit me at the right time in my life. I think I saw it in like ninth grade and I was like, maybe I'm not moody enough. Maybe I need to be, <laughs> maybe I need to be like more sullen and like question teachers all the time. You know, that's it, so, it, I, so this is one of your favorite movies. Have you ever like looked into what the actual kind of uh, meta physics is supposed to be going on? The actual like story behind the plot? A little bit. I know um, uh, Richard Kelly's, what, his dad worked for NASA or something? Yeah. Um, and I know, I guess, 
uh, what the wormholes that um, like they Donnie ends up seeing and sort of following. That's like the paths for alternate uh, or like how how do they explain it in the movie? Uh, it's like your trajectory for where you're going to go. Well, I started looking into it. Uh, yeah, because I finished the movie and like kind of had a different perspective on it, having watched it. Uh, you know, for the first time since uh, late high school. And looking on Reddit was like a total uh, rabbit hole. Well, see, what happened is um, it's all pretty much laid out in that book that the old lady has written. Roberta Sparrow. uh, Yeah, Grandma Death's uh, The Philosophy of Time Travel. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the pages from that were like put on a website and in the, the director's cut, you can actually see them. And it's like, it lays things out pretty explicitly. And it's like, uh, I mean, it's too long to go into here, but like at the end, when he goes up on the cliff, you're kind of like, oh, so he's he's going to time travel back to the, but in reality, apparently he has like uh, telekinetic abilities and he's able to tear the engine off of that plane and send it through the, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Cause they need yeah. like a, a vessel, I guess for time travel versus. Yeah. yeah. We might, <laughs> Chris, we might have a conversation after the episode off mic, but uh, yeah. yeah. Bonus could, features, could... Easter eggs for you listeners. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it's just a uh, kind of out there superhero story. Yeah. Like I said, I think it, it works so well because the characters are so, you know, just kind of, it it seems grounded and it's just fun and like the family's awesome and seems real. I don't know. Yeah, let's get into the next song. We'll talk, we'll keep talking about it. We've got track six. We've got Julio Caccini and Paul Pritchard with Ave Maria. Really be- it was, when I was uh, listening to this in prep, I was uh, I was listening to the song, and Steph was kind of like, "Oh, that's really beautiful." From the other room, and I was like, "This is," and I was kind of like, "I should just like listen to more opera." And I was like, "What am I fucking Hannibal Lecter? Like, it's like <laughs> a man <laughs> alone in an apartment, like putting on opera is is a very creepy thing." Really. Oh no, dude! I've, I've had the same thought very recently. It's just like I should listen to classical music while I'm in the car. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a beautiful song. I just want to like, I don't know, like get a bonsai tree or or may, maybe like a a room in the basement uh, where no. nobody can hear anything. <laughs> Your fate has been sealed. <laughs> Let's jump into, what do we got, track seven? You guys ready for track seven? Let's hear it. This is Steve Baker and Carmen Day with For Whom the Bell Tolls. information out there on steve baker and carmen day but i think you uh you get the idea yeah <laughs> when i was listening to this it kind of struck me that 
Um, so the version that we're listening to doesn't have any of the score, which is by Michael Andrews. And the score is actually really, really good. Um, I guess we'll talk about Michael Andrews a little bit more at the tail end of the episode. But, you know, there's songs on here that kind of function as score. I feel like that song functions a little bit as score. But uh, yeah, kind of like the mood of the whole thing. In rewatching, I, I remembered all the pop music, but the actual score is really, really good. Yeah. Th- yeah. This is the uh, why are you wearing that stupid human mask scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, it's, it's a terrifying scene, you know? I think what they're at the movie theater and uh, Jenna Malone has fallen asleep. Do you remember what they're watching? Do you remember the movie they're watching? Evil Dead, baby. Evil Dead, the original. Yeah, yeah. Which is like such a subtle nod to like, you know, horror nerds film nerds of all movies to be watching in 1988 apparently when he was trying to you know shop this screenplay around he was getting a lot um, the director was getting a lot of resistance from uh, film companies about the movie being set in 1988 and it was something that he kept telling people he's like no it's got to be this year and we've got to get tears for fears (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny i feel like part of it might be it might have to do with budgeting or it might have to do with the studio not wanting it to seem like a period piece. But one of the things that struck me even when I first watch it is like it's set in the 80s, but it's not like beating you over the head with it. Right. There's like some kind of mullets, but it's like people generally just kind of look normal, which is pretty realistic. It's like, you know, not every not everybody in the 80s looked like a flock of seagulls. I think one of the big like identifiers of the 80s to me was, uh, you know, I guess they're like young high school students and one of the kids is doing cocaine in the hallway during oh, the yeah. and I was like, <laughs> oh, the, kids? the 80s. It's, That's probably the it's, 80s. <laughs> it's the bully and Seth Rogen, which is so funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 young Seth Rogen. It's his film Seth, debut. Yeah, Seth Rogen uh, hardly has any lines, but you do hear his laugh every once in a while when the bullies <laughs> are doing <laughs> terrible. You just kind of hear it like out of the corner. It, like, so, <laughs> It's always been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. Obviously, he's done uh, Freaks and Geeks already, but uh, yeah, yeah, I guess this is his first film. Well, that'll take us straight into track eight. <laughs> We've got Keto Kaleko and Tony Hertz with Show Me Part One. Caleb, you're getting more of that uh, opera that you wanted to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I'm turning into real fucking sicko listening to this shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this might be a good uh, a good time to talk about Richard Kelly. So he made this movie when he was only 26. Um, he'd been working on it already, and it's a little bit of like uh, a huge coming out for like a young filmmaker. And then he <laughs> followed it up with a f- film called Southland Tales. That's truly one of the weirdest things I've never seen. I haven't finished it, uh, but it's one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. And that, I think, almost killed his career. And then he made a, a movie called The Box. Yeah. Better. Better, <laughs> but, but not, not... Not that great. <laughs> not great. And then he's kind of... He, he's disappeared a little bit, which is sad. Um, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, poor uh, poor Richard Kelly uh, has not had the best track record, as you said. He did Domino, which was pretty big stinker. Yeah, uh, he wrote the screenplay for Tony Scott. Yeah, um, and then he, he was a producer on I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, <laughs> yeah. which is the Tucker Max. Fucking Tucker Max. Um, that erases any sort of sympathy you have for a filmmaker. Yeah, poor guy. But he also he produced uh, World's Greatest Dad, which I really liked. That was Bobcat Goldthwaite's um, oh, yeah. and Robin Williams movie. But then, uh, yeah, he hadn't done shit since 2009. So he's due for a comeback. We miss you. We miss you, Richard. I'm trying to decide if I've done shit since 2009. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they made a sequel to Donnie Darko, but he didn't oh, own yeah. the... Uh, he didn't own the rights or have anything to do with it at that point, so you know he didn't have any involvement. <laughs> I've oh only God. heard rumors. It's called S. Darko. Yeah, it's about the the the, the younger sister that's in Sparkle Magic. Ugh. The girl that plays the younger sister in the uh, in Donnie Darko is the girl that went on to play the character in The Ring. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty scary stuff. <laughs> 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 I should say I, I should have said this at the top of the episode, but uh, I kind of I picked this soundtrack thinking that it would be a little bit late our Easter episode. Yeah. Um, but Happy in, Easter, in, everybody! And rewatching that, I realized it was a Halloween movie. So oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh well. Wait, Devay Chase? She was. Uh, oh, she's mm-hmm. Samara in the ring. I was like, wait, wait. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. That's that's okay. I think I I yeah. she could have been replaced by CGI. <laughs> right. I didn't even realize that that was like a actual yeah, person. That's what I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was just a mess of hair on a on a yeah. stick. <laughs> Dude, that movie scared me stupid. Oh my <laughs> god. Yeah. Honestly, I was like Ernest scared stupid. <laughs> <laughs> me yak. Um <laughs> I love we, yeah. Ernest scared stupid is one of my favorites. Um, oh, yeah, that movie terrified me and Donnie Darko actually scared me on like a psychological level, uh, yeah. that I hadn't been scared on before. I think what eighth grade, ninth grade, probably when I first saw this movie, worrying about like, you know, myself going crazy. That's always a terrifying thing to think about. When I was Googling this movie, one of the popular searches on Google is, um, how scary is Donnie Darko? <laughs> <laughs> it's spooky. <laughs> it's spooky. A little spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're coming up on a break. All right. Uh, before we go to the break, I should say that at the end of the episode, we are all going to add a song to the track listing Spotify playlist. Check it out, everybody. Uh, this week, we are adding our favorite song about the end of the world. I put uh, out to some of our Instagram followers this week uh, to see what their recommendations would be. I thought I might read a few of them. What do you guys think about that? Sure. Yeah. yeah read them. Okay. <laughs> Read them uh, and weep. No. <laughs> so we had a couple people uh, recommend the song "The End of the World" by Skeeter Davis, uh, Kelsey, and Mario. I think uh, Kelsey. You guys know Kelsey? Um, that rings a bell. Maybe. Bad Moon Rising by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Mike recommended that. Uh, Ryan. Thanks, Mike. Ryan recommended "The Man Comes Around" by Johnny Cash. Off yeah. Of those, uh, oh yeah. American. It's a good records. one. It's pretty good. Very biblical. Um, Allison, she recommended Every Day is Like Sunday by Morrissey, which actually, I like that song quite a bit. Oh, nice. Um, Yonzi, listener from Australia, he wrote, rewrote in about uh, Don't Let Us Get Sick by Warren Zevon, mm. which is pretty good. 
Pretty good call. Good. And then uh, our friend Jackson, he said that uh, end of the world as we know it, the by REM, the most basic of <laughs> classic Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Jack. <laughs> the one more, uh, the Dead Flag Blues by Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Uh, Kenneth wrote in with that one. So, uh, if you Thanks, write, if you write in, write in with a recommendation. If you match ours, you win the the prize of not having us read your recommendation because it would ruin ours. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with a game. Stick with us. What's up, track listers? Oh, no. <laughs> this, is, this is the new way we're doing track No, no, listing. let's, let's no, go no, with no, it. No, this no, is no. going well. Are we doing this? Okay, hey, okay, guys, okay. No, we love to hear from you. So uh, please reach out to us on a variety of different uh, social medias. You can find us on Instagram. That's at tracklistingpodcast. Uh, you can rate and review in the iTunes store. And you can email us at gmail tracklistingpodcast at gmail.com and uh, please tell your friends tell everybody you know that you think might enjoy the podcast about the podcast also I think iTunes doesn't exist anymore but whatever <laughs> 2020 here uh, we come uh, Spotify you can follow our uh, official tracklisting playlist on Spotify and you know send in your own recommendations Spotify still exists today's episode is brought to you by Lisa Mattresses our unofficial sponsor <laughs> we're all laying down as we record this I'm a purple guy to be honest I don't know. Purple. Bidding war. <laughs> Lisa, purple. Fight it out for us. Come at us, purple. We love y'all. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Track Listing here with the uh, Donnie Darko soundtrack. Donnie, can you hear me? But first... <laughs> <laughs> Donnie, are you okay? Are you okay, Donnie? Okay, Donnie. Okay, Donnie. <laughs> reel it in, reel it in. Uh, we've got a game prepared by Chris Darden this evening. What do you got for us? I prepared a uh, a version of Supergroup. Yay! Oh, the crowd loves it. Yeah, <laughs> it's hot crowd tonight. Um, this is our only connect inspired uh, game in which uh, uh, we have four clues and you guys are going to have to guess the fourth uh, clue um, or the sequence in this case. But um, I've prepared three musical clues and then the, the fourth one will be the answer. So you guys, you guys know how it's played. Are you guys ready to yeah. do this? Seems familiar. Let's jump right into it. All right. Here's round one. Clue one. And here's clue two. And clue three. Fuck JC. I mean, you shot your own brother. How could we know if we can trust Jay-Z? And you know better, nigga. I know you do. But you gotta do better, boy. You owe it the blue. You had no father. You had the armor. But you got a daughter. Gotta get softer. Die, Jay-Z. The first song is Jimmy by M.I.A. It's a cover or it samples an old Bollywood jam. 
Um, so MIA with Jimmy. The second second song sounded like it was film score. I, I know that Chris recently watched uh, Lawrence of Arabia and I was getting a little bit of that, but it didn't have like the signature like string swoop. So I don't know. I don't have much with that one. And then Jay-Z, Jay-Z was the third. I, I couldn't hear it well enough to be able to pick up what a sample was in the background. Uh, what'd you get from the third track? Uh, I don't know the song title, but yeah, J- uh, a track by Jay-Z for sure. I see. I'm like a little bit curious if it has to do with a name. Just if I think of the first song being Jimmy and Jay-Z. Or, oh, fuck. Or is it a... Uh, see, that score thing seems like it must be from something very specific where it has to do with what movie it's scoring or something. Um, I, I would like to hear the third track again. Yeah, here's clue three. Fuck Jay-Z. I mean, you shot your own brother. How could we know if we can trust Jay-Z? And you know better, nigga. I know you do. But you gotta do better, boy. You owe it the blue. You had no father. You had the armor. But you got a daughter. Gotta get softer. Die, Jay-Z. Ooh, slowing down at the end. Man, I feel like if I could hear what the 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 female sampled vocal was saying in the background there, I feel like that yeah. might be the clue that we need. It, that's it's irrelevant. It, it, oh, it is irrelevant. Irrelevant. That sample oh, is okay. irrelevant. You guys are pre- you guys are pretty cold right now. Unfortunately, <laughs> it maybe started off too hard. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do, do we want to hear clue four and see if we can? Uh, yeah. See if we can pick let's it just, out. Let's just hear yeah. the fourth clue and see if we can work our way backwards. He sits behind his microphone. All right, I think I got it. I remember you guys talking about this, but I, I, what what is this track? Tell me, Nick, what is this track? The Johnny Carson thing. Uh, I'm not sure what the what the track is, but do we have hosts of the Tonight Show going in reverse order? That is correct, Nick. Oh, so it's the the Jay Jay Leno. Yeah. Jay, fuck Jay Z. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon. I know Jimmy what the Fallon. hold on hold on. I know what the second clue is now. <laughs> Is it yeah? The, there you go. The score from Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> it's the score from Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, Nailed man. it. Uh, <laughs> wait, then, tell, uh, tell me the, the final clue because I remember you talking about some song about Johnny Carson. Oh, it's just when Brian Wilson was just like a complete shut in. Yeah, yeah, he was just singing about there. clearly like what he was watching on TV and like there's like a song about directions to his house. <laughs> Take a left on the hill to my house yeah yeah There's i remember the bumpy I, road <laughs> yeah it's ah oh, that's it. good that's good right, tonight's show host in reverse order yes 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 okay good quizzing good quizzing let's uh let's move on to round two hopefully it's not as difficult i i have a tough time with these you know i'm too close to it clue one Clue two.
when his daddy would visit, he called. And clue three. I feel like I had that sequence even before the vocals came in on the last one. <laughs> All right. All right. Nikki, are, are you, uh, how do you feel about what we got here? Well, for the first track, we've got George Michael. Um, do you know the song title for the first, for the first song? That is Father Figure by George Michael. Okay, there we go. So we've got Father, and then the second song, we've got Son, Son of a Preacher Man. Dusty Springfield. Uh, by Dusty Springfield. Um maybe uh what the third track was it's a something hol- maybe brother it's holy diver it's by uh dio i believe that's yeah i was gonna say D- dio was the dio. artist um yeah. so i believe this is the the father the son the and the holy ghost so we need a song a ghost song for our final oh, okay. our final clip okay is there um, any other way to say that prayer do you think oh boy <laughs> Um, uh, I didn't go to I didn't go to Catholic school like some. Of I did. <laughs> I, so did so did Nick. Right? What do we got? Nick, get, help me out here. Um, Sacrament, Holy Trinity, Holy Ghost, Trinity. Oh God, damn it! You, Holy Ghost. I feel bad because because Caleb caught onto it so quickly, but uh, it's okay. Well, okay. Well, just well, play. You, can, you can play it, but I but I believe I would I would pick to I would do like a Ghost Rider by Suicide or something. <laughs> Okay. But let's hear let's hear the fourth clip. Holy Spirit. Norman Greenbaum Spirit in the Sky. Spirit in the Sky. Sorry about that. I is that something ah. is that, is that something you Catholics say? The the Father, the Holy Son, Spirit. and the Holy Spirit? I, I grew up saying Holy Spirit. I'm sorry that there was another one. Oh, that is, that is, that is religion for you. Shit, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn it. Damn we would have appreciated okay. if you played the game in the in the original Latin. I think that's what we really should have yeah. done. <laughs> Good quick. I'm glad. Okay. Caleb, Caleb nailed it. Uh, a difference well, yeah. in vernacular. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to round three. Round Here's three. clue one. And clue two. bit of a turn there on clue three yeah yeah, yeah. So, red uh, red up first we heard uh george harrison with uh i got my mind set on you yeah uh, which he wrote with jeff lynn uh second was imagine and we had a uh, science by thomas dolby 
Thomas Dolby. I was thinking that maybe the fourth clue was going to be the first single by Paul McCartney post Beatles. I was thinking that, it was, wouldn't you? I thought that it was going to end up with a Ringo song, but uh, right, yeah, right. Oh, Ringo wrote a song. Look at here. <laughs> oh, look at here. Let's put it on the fridge. <laughs> okay. So uh, all right. So if we're if we're dealing mind. with uh, the artist, we got George John Thomas. George John Thomas. Harrison Lennon. Jeffers Dolby. presidents presidents. Um, Thomas. John, John. Washington, Adams, Jefferson, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and then so, uh, who was the fourth? Yeah, Washington, Adams, Jefferson, um, Madison. Yeah, I think Madison is the is the fourth president. Um, so, wait. So, what is <laughs> a song by someone Madison? Um, or no, no, it's the first name. What is Madison's first name? I don't know why I'm blanking on it right now. George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and... Come on, boys. (laughs) Madison. It's not Alexander Um, Madison, is it? No. Why am I thinking Alexander? No. I don't know. What do you got? Should we hear clue four? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I don't know what... It's like a killer movie. Oh, yeah, our yeah, our yeah. school systems are failing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, James. James, James Madison. Madison. That's the name. And a very apropos yeah. final song, Living That's in America. That's a little, little nod, a little wink and a nod. <laughs> oh, man. Should have done it backwards, though. Oh, done man. It backwards. I'm proud of us uh, getting the sequence, and I'm ashamed that we can't remember what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is man. Well, there's good news because there's a bonus round. Uh, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> That's right. Oh, Let's no. crank through this bonus <laughs> round. <laughs> Oh boy, Chris, Chris, Chris! You guys are doing All good. Right. You guys are doing good. Uh, you guys have been very close, if not on the money, on a lot of these. Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison. <laughs> My name is Alexander Madison. <laughs> All right, here's clue one, round four. Yeah, you got that Justin Bieber's new single, Yummy. Okay. Uh, the second track was David Byrne. Yeah, it was a David with, Byrne song. I, I can't remember the name of that song title. Uh, third was Twin Shadow. Uh, no, that was The Weeknd. Oh, it was The Weeknd. I think My that bad. these. I, I get those two confused. I think that these are musical guests on SNL. 
because um, I remember David Byrne okay. was on recently oh, on the yeah. John Mulaney episode. And we, okay. I think The Weeknd might have been the guest after yeah. that. I remember he played that song. Um, if we're going at the most recent uh, musical guest on SNL, it'd be Chris Martin from Coldplay uh, playing that Bob Dylan song. Okay. Uh, let's hear the answer. I came in from the wilderness, a creature void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Suck it down, James Madison. Alexander Madison. Jesus. You nailed good it. Job, you nailed it, Caleb. Uh, Flying well, a little colors. Re- redeemed in the back. And, <laughs> yeah. oh, Redemption from, from downtown. Redemption! <laughs> good, good game. Good game, Chris. Thank you for putting that together. No applause sound effect for that game. <laughs> what? I, I thought they did a pretty good uh, uh, job on that remote SNL episode for the first time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know. We live in a lo-fi world. <laughs> I thought techni- I, technically they did. I thought that some of the sketches were not funny. I uh, yeah. I think you know it. It made me realize how much uh, support they get from everyone involved. But uh, then the people left to their own devices can suck sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird seeing all this comedy now. Just like that goes straight into the void oh, with no audience. God. <laughs> it's just it's. Craziness. Yeah. That's yeah, my my life is ruined. <laughs> this is it. Oh god, if this is what comedy is gonna be for the next year or so, I I won't make it. I won't make it. Whereas the thing about like I knew some like YouTube personalities, um, and they are the biggest egomaniacs because they've never heard like the response to their shitty jokes. So they just assume <laughs> you know, they, they see comments and they see likes and they see views and they assume it's awesome. Uh, just like us with this podcast. So well, I was going to say we're we're lucky, we're blessed that we have this studio audience in here with us tonight. A lot yeah. of a lot of podcasts don't have that, but we've been able to pull it together. <laughs> you know what? It, it makes me want to do. It makes me want to go back and uh, re-edit those uh, Def Jam comedy episodes. <laughs> and when someone tells a joke, just it's crickets. just crickets. There's no audience. <laughs> yeah. uh, to crickets. It'd be insane. That reminds me of all those uh, shreds videos. Where you just, oh yeah! You hear like the room noise and people like. Oh yeah! It's like Scott Stapp playing a solo, and then it's just like. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. Well, on a uh, on a lighter note, we've got the uh, the Donnie Darko soundtrack to dig back into. We're coming back in on track nine. We've got Duran Duran with Notorious. No, Duran Duran could play a funky guitar like that because it's not Duran Duran playing guitar. <laughs> it's Niall Rogers with yeah. Duran Duran. This is definitely like uh, like late Duran Duran. Well, I guess not because I remember when I was in high school in the 90s, they had like a little bit of a revival. 
Um, is, I think that what happened with this was what happened with like a lot of bands that Niall Rogers worked with. It was uh, where like bands in the late 80s would um, split up because everyone fought with each other like crazy, like the police and, you know, bands like that. And Duran Duran was splitting up and t- two people went to go do a super group. Yeah, Power Station. Yeah, Power Station. And then the other two guys stayed around for Duran Duran and then Niall Rogers swooped in and, you know, it's like, I'm going to save this band with my funky guitar production. <laughs> Is it Roger yeah. Taylor and Andy Taylor left uh, and they were doing right. a three piece band at this. It was their first album. I think it's a great track. Niall Rogers was coming off fresh from having produced Let's Dance and Like a Virgin. Yeah. Oh, man. man. When he made this track. Niall Rogers is so good. Yeah. Uh, this song, this is scoring the uh, Sparkle Magic performance. <laughs> sparkle which, Motion. Uh, sparkle sparkle motion. Motions. Sparkle Motion. Alexander Madison. <laughs> one of the things that uh, <laughs> one of the things that this movie does so well is that even though the kind of the character of the Sparkle Motion is, you know, it's like the the coach is the villain, you know. And like Duran Duran, I think is supposed to be kind of like the shitty preppy music, but it's still shot to make it look really cool. And it's yeah. like this like yeah. great moment where, you know, I, I don't know. It's like purely enjoyable where it's like comes out of nowhere and then they're just doing this like choreographed dance to Duran Duran. Wow. I guess this is while Donnie Darko's like uh, burning down the uh, the house of the of Patrick Swayze. Jim Cunningham, yeah. yeah, yo, yeah. I mean, the crowd is eating it up, and it's like a talent show dance. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Why are they losing their mind for Sparkle Motion? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> there's so many movies where they do it. Where you know, if it was like a, a '90s like teen teen comedy, all of a sudden people would be way too good at dancing, or mm-hmm. it would be you know, or you would do it if it was like an indie thing. Then you would make it look like as sad as it really is that there's like this stage mom. But they they do it where the dancing, you know, it's just it's just little girls dancing, but they kind of do it with these cool camera moves and it just seems like so awesome and everybody loves it. I don't know. It's yeah. it's there's something so so like pleasing about the way they handled it. I remember being weirded out at how much younger Donnie Darko's little sister was than the rest of the dancers. She was oh, like is that true? Yeah, she looked like she was like seven and the rest of them looked like they were teenagers. And I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't I'm know how old kids crazy. are. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to tell. But. I was a uh, my boss. Uh, my boss has kids, and they're um, they're really tall, and so I keep forgetting like what age they are. And I remember one weekend. This was probably years ago, but um, I was talking to my my boss's son, and I was like, "What are you doing this weekend? Are you going to see a movie or something?" He's like, "What?" I was like, "I don't know. You want to see a movie?" He's like, "I don't like movies." I was like, you don't like movies. What do you like? He's like, I like cars. And I was like, oh my God, you're way younger than I think you are. You're just really tall. You're just like a tall kid. <laughs> like, what age are we talking about? <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> he's probably like seven or something, but he's so tall. Uh, okay. He looked like he might have been like 12. I don't know. Uh, okay. I don't know, I don't know with kids. I'm not good with kids. I'm like, <laughs> Get kids these here. days love Top Gear. Kids love Top Gear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big Duran Duran fan, but if I were, I think that this is probably a period where you would start to like, kind of be like, oh, I don't like that period of Duran Duran. This is like very... On the cover for Notorious, uh, which is also the name of the album, it just says Duran once. Fun fact. 
She says Durant. You know, <laughs> you know who it is. Um, yeah. You still know. They're like, yeah, we'll drop one Durant since we're splitting up. No one will know. It's a new band. Simon LeBon. And who's the other one that's hanging around? I, don't know. I, well, I was just going to say, I have a difficult time like understanding how cheese dicky Duran Duran was in their heyday. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, this shit got to like number two on the charts, but like, would I scoff at them if I was my age in 1986? I have no idea. Well, I think even when when they first came out, they were kind of, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that they were like a boy band, but they were like the piece of ass. So like if you were, say maybe you were into the Strokes and like the White Stripes, they might be more like the Killers or something or some sort of, they're kind of too good looking and too polished and a little bit of like the, you know, the, the more palatable version of New Wave. What, what do we got coming up next? What's track number 10? 10, we've got Oingo Boingo with Stay. This is not the first time you tried to get away. This is not a party where people know your name. This is not a classroom with teacher at the board. This is not a cat show with prizes at the door. Go, don't you go. not the first time we've had oingo boingo on they did the weird science uh theme song this is danny yeah. elfman's band danny elfman the uh he's like one of the the three uh what is it like in the mafia there's like the families like the three families or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with with scoring music it's what danny danny elfman and hans zimmer and john uh, williams or something john williams mark mothersbaugh but yeah you can hear you can hear the simpsons theme song like percolating in the background there <laughs> that song's pretty good I, i'm not yeah. a huge oingo boingo guy but uh that, that's a pretty decent oingo boingo song oingo boingo would have had more of a career i think if they were a little bit better to look at <laughs> i think they could have had more of a duran duran thing because i feel like even just going back to duran duran for a second oh no <laughs> A lot of people were so attracted to them that the music was like an added bonus. Oh yeah, in that experience. And for Oingo Boingo, there was no. <laughs> I think if if I pretty were, scary to look at. If I were young when Duran Duran hit the scene, it would be hard not to listen to, especially the early records. Like the bass lines are are you know pretty fun. Like Duran Duran's like a a decent band that's probably too good looking and you wouldn't want to hang out with, but. uh there's too many people. There's too many people in Ongo Boingo, I think, is the deal. It looks like <laughs> it looks like you just found like the guys sitting at the bar in a place in yeah. uh I don't know, in London. And we're like, all right, all uh, all nine of you, you guys are in a band. Come here. <laughs> it's like just a random <laughs> eclectic group of dudes. This is probably a bad but my I guess my impression has always been like uh I was like, Oh, I know that I should probably be more into Devo but I'm not that into Devo, but I need to like one day, like do more of a dive. And if I'm not, if I'm not like diving into Devo, there's no way I'm getting to Oingo Boingo. That's kind of like, yeah. Oingo Boingo and and Devo fans have like an uneasy partnership for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But by all accounts, they're both really good bands. I just have, it's like a little bit, a little bit too, um, 
Um, a little bit too goofy, I guess, in some parts. Yeah. My Bob Dylan research has piled up so high <laughs> that I, I just I can't scratch the surface on Dude, it. It's too uh, much. Dylan released much. a new song yeah, since we recorded it's too last. long, too long, 20 minutes. No, yeah, he recorded a normal length song. We were talking no, about No, no, a song long. after that. Oh, again? Oh, another one. Since our last Another episode? new song. Die. Since we have last spoke, there's another new song. <laughs> no. It's uh, shorter, but I, I actually like the long one better, but that's just me. Last thing I'll say about Oingo Boingo, if you guys follow at uh, tracklistingpod on uh, Instagram, uh, you'll see that I posted one of their Bud Light or, or just Budweiser oh, yeah. commercials, and it's This Bud's For You. And I, I sing that song to myself in the shower. It's a great <laughs> This Bud's For You. There's nothing more to do. It's so good. It's so good. It might be their better. Uh, it might be better than this song, but I'm not gonna say it's their best song. But I, I have to assume there was more than one principal songwriter in Oingo Boingo. But have like Danny Elfman becoming this huge like figure in in uh, like film score music and television score. You like if you were the other guy in Oingo Boingo, like everybody has to assume that you didn't do anything, right? And that it was all Danny Elfman. Yeah, so there's probably some guys that's like, no, nah, man, it wasn't just Danny Elfman. Like, we were all, and then people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're one of the other That's what happens members. with all bands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what happens with all bands. That's why bands break up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into uh, track 11 while we're here. This is Joy Division with Love Will Tear Us Apart. Why is I was re-listening to the soundtrack today and I heard that track. It was reminding me of that great uh, Joy Division biopic, Control. Control. That's one of my favorite films, actually. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good. It's so oh. good. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's mostly about Ian Curtis. This is, uh, Level Tears Apart is one of my favorite songs. I, don't, I mean, it's not an original opinion, but I, you know, it's such a great song. And it was, uh, it's, I don't know if it's their last song that they ever recorded, but it's one of the last ones before uh, Ian Curtis died and they became uh, New Order. Yeah, he, he wanted to, um, like, he usually didn't want to play guitar uh, on songs. And uh, I guess for some reason he felt like he wanted to play guitar on this track, but he didn't really, like, he wasn't, didn't know how. So they, the band members just showed him how to, like, play a D chord. And they're like, all right, just kind of, just kind of hit that chord. <laughs> For a while, Just keep going at it and uh, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great; it's a great track. Documentary is really great. Check that out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that song. This is playing when Gretchen, uh, Gretchen Ross, Jenna Malone shows up to Donnie's house. I love this couple in this movie. They're two little misfits that sort of found each other. Yeah, yeah, Jen- Jenna Malone. Like I, I, I recognize her from different things. I remember her from being in Inherent Vice, where she's a. Uh, like Owen Wilson's wife and she has like these weird teeth but I guess she was also in the <laughs> Hunger Games movies which I remember I've definitely seen at some point 
have you guys uh recognized the actor that plays frank frank the rabbit no i don't think so i remember him from um these indie movies by greg Araki in the 90s uh like doom generation but uh he was also an independence day in independence day he was like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, like the part of the randy quaid storyline yeah he was like randy a, quaid's son and he was just like i think oh, so yeah yeah dad you're so embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> and i think it came around like maybe even the same year as this or i don't know it's, no no wait that would have been like a few years earlier yeah but yeah. uh i wish i will that, say when this movie came out that the um it, this is that time period where that joy division t-shirt from urban outfitters started becoming very popular oh hell yeah <laughs> And, and you would see a lot of people wear that shirt and like no one know who no one knew oh. no one had any idea who the band was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty yeah, standard these days. It's I, very standard. I have a couple of copies of that shirt. I can't really uh, a couple of copies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have a few <laughs> tucked away. It's so this is another like baffling thing to me that like to me this is one of kind of the most famous songs in the world, even if it's not like a huge pop song. And somehow it got licensed to be just kind of in the the background at a party in an indie movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, the machinations of uh of hollywood kind of baffle me to this day like i don't know how this was an affordable song but i guess it was maybe when like your lead singer dies like just the the rights to your songs get stuck in limbo or something yeah no no way someone (laughs) someone someone has to be i don't know who i mean this was back though i think they might have released this it was still on factory records was that manchester label where they they let artists like keep all their own rights so it might be one of those things where when he died maybe his wife got part of the rights to the song and you never know let's jump into track 12 we've got echo and the Bunnymen with the killing moon under the blue moon I saw you So soon you'll take me Up in your arms too late to beg you Or cancel it though I know it must be The killing time Unwillingly mine Fate Up against your will original cut of the film this was playing over the uh, the top of the movie where he uh, gets back on his bike and bikes back home and also fun fact the the chord progression for that song is is lifted from uh, a track by uh, david bowie these this is these are the chords to space oddity played in reverse yeah oh, yeah or the, cool. the, the famous uh, major tom song yeah yeah pretty pretty interesting which I, it kind of makes me want to make a version for you guys of Blackbird, where I play the chords backwards, but just <laughs> sing the song the same. <laughs> you should play the chords for this backwards and see what see where that goes. Yeah, then... maybe a song about an astronaut. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is yeah, this is a classic song. I love this song a lot. I mean, yeah, what's not like to, not to like? Uh, we actually listened to this on another episode. Do you guys remember? What is that? It was on the uh, Girl Next Door soundtrack, I think. That's kind right. Kind of inexplicably on that soundtrack. Yeah. A lot of teenage movies like this, like using this track. Yeah. I I'll, I will say that I think when, I would have to re-listen to that episode, but I assume that I probably said something about how 
strange it felt that that song was in that movie <laughs> because it's like perfectly at home in this movie and it seems like you know almost written for it <laughs> i feel like in the girl next door you'd just be like what the fuck it's even got the term bunny men in it <laughs> which is like <laughs> it's pretty apropos for a movie with a six foot tall rabbit you know happy easter everybody <laughs> i had a friend in a uh, high school that uh, was also a musician and he would always tell me, he's like, man, you got to check out Echo and the Bunny Men. I was like, all right, all right. But like every, every fucking week he would, he would bug me. He's like, you check out uh, Echo and the Bunny Men yet? No, not yet, but uh, I'm getting around to it. And every Friday, hey man, you check out Echo and the Bunny Men yet? Never really listened to them until uh, later in life. Did you call your friend? Never did. I never let him know. <laughs> oh man. I feel like uh, that's, that's me. I'm your friend. Uh, <laughs> Oh, no, oh, the my. truth. Oh, man. Did you watch this movie? Oh, come on, dude. I told you to watch it. Why wouldn't you watch it? <laughs> it's just that thing when someone bugs you to do something, to get into something, yeah. and you just can never do it, no matter what. Oh, my God. I think, in my mind, I have, like, probably a Mount Rushmore of bands that I love that have terrible names, and Echo and the Bunny Man are up there. There's, like, four or five bands where you're like, oh, God, I even when you start to like forget about what the name actually is, it just becomes a thing. It's like, this is still a bad name. It's Toad the Wet Sprocket. Is, is Toad the Wet Sprocket. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I don't, I don't love Toad the Wet Sprocket, but yeah, that's a real bad name. I mean, Oingo. Less than, less than Jake. Yeah. yeah less Oingo, than Jake. Oingo, could, yeah. Oingo Boingo seems like uh, appropriate, at least. It like has a... I don't know, man. That's That's like... It's pretty tough to defend Oingo Boingo. I think that Duran Duran and Tears for Fears are great names. It's interesting. I, I think, is Oingo Boingo the only American band on this um, soundtrack? They uh. might be. Yeah, m- most of the bands uh, that they use in the movie are all British. Huh. Well, NXS and The Church are both Australian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this yeah. this was 1988. It was kind of at the tail end of the second British invasion. Uh. That was all these uh, new wave bands. It was like... Even the American bands were trying to sound British. Yeah. There's like that. Uh, if you listen to some of the early Ministry tracks, they're like singing. It's like New Wave with like a British accent. They're singing it. Another <laughs> <laughs> from like Chicago or something. Oingo Boingo never split up and just started going by Oingo. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna insert some applause. There. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we're pulling into the last track here. This is track 13. This is Michael Andrews and Gary Jules with Mad World. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Mad world. So while I was listening to this soundtrack today, I pulled my back out <laughs> and I could I could barely walk. So the only comfortable position I could find was to to lay on the ground <laughs> and listen and, to this song. And and my wife walked into my office <laughs> and I was laying on the ground and this song was playing and she was like, "The fuck is? Are you are you going through something? Nothing matters. Just I was like, no, no, here. no. It's, it's just my back, my back." <laughs> 
I was okay. So I got to lay down the background. This is a cover of a Tears for Fears song off of their first record, which is a. Uh, I love Tears for Fears, but this is one of. Uh, sometimes people ask a question: What is a cover that's better than the original? And they'll talk about like Jimi Hendrix "All on a Watchtower" or uh, maybe Nirvana "Man Who Sold the World." But this is like Chris one Martin of those. "Shelter from the Storm." <laughs> There you go. Ooh, the list has been updated. Uh, but yeah, this is this is kind of a famous like uh, you know one of the one of these covers that sounds like it's original because it's so good. Um, but it was also a huge hit. Like uh, you know, obviously this is for an indie movie that almost went straight to video. Uh, Michael Andrews was the one who did the score for the film. Gary Jules, I've never heard. Um, I mean, I've listened to some of his music in preparation for this, but this is pretty much his his yeah. claim to fame. This is it. And this song, not only was it kind of a hit, I, I remember I've seen it in like uh, previews for Gears of War video games. It was uh, a British uh, Christmas number one, which is a big thing in England for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Where every, every year... Yeah, every Christmas year there's like pantos this... and stuff. <laughs> yeah, every... yeah, I know. I know a little bit about that track. What, what do you got? When uh, Michael Andrews and Richard Kelly were uh, doing the edit for the movie, they hadn't gotten to what they were going to use where where this song was going to be played. And Gary Jules was a friend of Michael Andrews's, and this kind of ballad version of Mad World was a song that he would play live. So you know, he just told the director, "Let me call my friend Gary." Gary Jules came over like one afternoon and they just recorded it and Michael Andrews played the piano and Gary sang the vocal and like that was it. And I think everyone was surprised that it worked out so well, not only in the movie, but like you said, that it became a number one Christmas single, not only in the UK, but also in America. Yeah. And there's something kind of strange about it in my mind becoming a Christmas single <laughs> because like, it's like, all right, everybody let's, let's gather around the tree, open presents and uh, just stare at each other. <laughs> so, you know, when in, in college, when me and my friends, we got into this movie and then we got into the soundtrack. Um, it was a little bit of a thing where we were all obsessed with this song, but also constantly making fun of each other for how like emo it was. It's like dreams in which I'm dying are the best I ever had. Oh, and it's man. like yeah, very emo. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. It's so it's so over the top, but it, but you can't help but love it because I don't know. It's great. I, it's great. I I absolutely thought this was by REM for a number of years. Oh, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. And it was it was part of like <laughs> this was definitely part of like the uh, Napster mislabeled uh, <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of like there were so many um, so many victims of that like songs was like I had come together by Led Zeppelin on Napster <laughs> yeah for years for years but I, I this was definitely like within that uh, threshold and I thought it was REM for because it it sounds a little stipey sounds a little Michael stipey but um, I I think it's probably the most iconic scene or or soundtrack song from this movie because it you know it cycles through all the main characters just sitting and staring off into nothing you know well it zooms up on them towards the end (laughs) and you're like oh man all right well that's the uh that's the soundtrack thank you you that was great hi crowd what are you guys doing doing tonight I don't know what it is this week, but people are loving it. People are loving it. Normally, uh, it's like dead in here, but 
<laughs> they normally stay pretty quiet. Uh, thanks so much, for guys, for listening to this. And uh, now we just got to review this thing. Um, at, at, On a, uh, let's give it a Donnie. Let's give it zero to 15 Donnies. <laughs> <laughs> zero to 15 Donnies. As is our tradition, we're going to lead off with Chris. Chris, what do you think of this soundtrack? Guys, this is an incredible soundtrack. I think uh, the only thing that um, would affect a negative rating is that this is like a re-release version. So like the if you look for the Donnie Darko soundtrack, like there's a, a couple of red herrings out there, then you're gonna end up like some with something that's like mainly score. Yeah, yeah. We we had to we had to kind of find our way to the good one. Yeah. Like it, it takes some uh deep digging to get to it. So this is the two thousand four British re release, maybe. Maybe it's even a different one. I can't remember. This is disc one of the 2004 <laughs> British re-release. Yeah, Disc 2 was the score. Was the score and I think uh, another version of Mad World, the cover, not even the original. <laughs> so if we're just ranking Disc 1 of the 2004 are, British re-release. All we can do is rank what's in front of us, <laughs> yeah, Chrissy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I'm going to give this a near-perfect score. I think it's a, it's 14.4. Um, I mean, Ooh. it's it's amazing. It goes so well Ooh, with the film. That is uh, music to my ears. It is a beautiful soundtrack. I, I that is a sweet sweet score. And talk about something you would just hit play and then just listen to without having to skip a single track. Uh, even the even the lucid memory, lucid assembly, um, even the Ave Maria or for whom the bell tolls. I think it's worth you know listening through those two. But um, I love it. Yeah, fourteen point. What did I say? Fourteen point four. Man, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, Nikki, what do you think? I think it's a fantastic soundtrack. I'm very glad that they ended up releasing a version of the soundtrack that included the the pop and the rock songs that were used in the movie. It made me also go back and re-listen to the score, just the original soundtrack and what is disc two of this of this re-release? No, but if you haven't if you haven't heard that uh, soundtrack, do yourself a favor and go back and listen to it. It's really really good. Yeah, it is good. It's a fantastic soundtrack. And, you know, when they made that soundtrack, it was very low budget. And, like, you know, Michael Andrews couldn't hire anyone. He hired, like, a couple of, like, singers. But, you know, he played all the instruments himself. But, yeah, for this disc one, I'm going to give it a 14.5 Donnie's. Nice. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy, that's some nice stars. That's some nice stars. Yeah, really good. Caleb, you better not give this a low rating. (laughs) (laughs) Subpar. Uh, just all right. <laughs> so, I guess if I if I had to give this soundtrack any sort of knock, it would be that um, any sort of period piece, it's a lot easier to put together a soundtrack of of songs that mean you know so much to you from like when you were growing up. Obviously, this was like uh, the music of the director's uh, childhood. Um, that being said, it's an indie movie, so I feel like it's a little bit of a feat that he was able to get all this stuff together. It's not like a you know a big uh, a big release where you had a bunch of money to throw around. The one cover, you know, usually we have a dodgy cover on every soundtrack, and uh, the cover might be the best. I'm not saying it's the best song on the soundtrack, but it's probably the best addition to the soundtrack. It was a, it was actually a big hit. Uh, yeah, do yourself a favor. Lay on the ground. Throw that song on. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Just let it flood over you now more than ever. 
Um, yeah, this is the the weird 2004 British re-release. So it has an NXS song that wasn't even in the movie, really, that I also really like. Uh, Joy Division, Love to Tear Us Apart is one of my favorite songs of all time. I love the church. Um, yeah, I got to give this like probably a 14.1. This is a great soundtrack. Okay. Okay. And I also want to say like rewatching the movie too and the soundtrack, you know, with the apocalyptic nature of it all uh, is, is just very, very suiting. And the soundtrack is a great score for the moment that we're all in. Yeah. It's a, I will say it's an apocalypse with like a, a bittersweet kind of happy ending. And I think that that's kind of what, what we're hoping for here. All right, let's move on to recommendations. Recommendations. So this week we are going to add a song to the Tracklist Spotify playlist, our favorite song about the end of the world. And if you guys don't mind, I'll lead off. Do it. Um, my song is from 1984, um, a Nigerian singer and songwriter that I've, I've talked to you two about a few times. Um, I think I've turned you guys on to him. He, I think as far as we know, is only recorded uh, maybe four songs. Um, so I think it is. This is one of his songs. Um, it's a song called Things Fall Apart, which yeah. is named after and uh, named after and sharing the same themes with the uh, Chinua Chibe novel that I remember reading in college. Um, this is Steve Monite with Things Fall Apart. Walking on the road every day I see a lot of doing some research at some point i was trying to figure out who played bass on all that steve monite stuff it's not a lot of info no, nobody knows <laughs> it's a I, beautiful uh, song love that song there's there's something about not just steve monite but uh i i find nigerian artists in general like fella Cootie, there's a lot of songs about like you know serious kind of terrible things that are like dance songs yeah and kind of this this ability to to party to you know, to dance to a song that's saying uh, life is getting so hard. Uh, <laughs> it's like a total jam. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah there's, something, there's something like uh, something cathartic about about being able to just like still celebrate uh, the reality that you're in. And I think that that's kind of important. Yeah, this is a song. You know, I love this song. You're, you're oh, convi- I, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say, this are song, you convinced that Daft Punk uh, <laughs> stole Oh, it? yeah. Well, there's, yeah, yeah, there's, there's some sounds that are weirdly familiar. But uh, what I was going to say is that this song, as far as I know, is not available on Spotify and cannot be added to the playlist. Uh, You might have to find it on uh, YouTube, maybe. Um, There is, I think there is one song on Spotify, which is Only You, which is kind of his, uh, his most known song. It's had a little bit of renaissance and is also great. Maybe we'll just add Only You on, or I don't know. Maybe we won't add anything. But this is a great song. Check it out. Steve Monite. Uh, Nikki, what do you got for us? My uh, end of the world track. I've got a song from 1972. This is a song by Nick Drake. This is called Pink Moon. And you probably remember when this got repopularized in a uh, Volkswagen commercial. (laughs) (laughs) 
the uh, I think the name of the car was a uh, Cabrio, Volkswagen Cabrio. <laughs> great car, great car. <laughs> this is yeah, great car, great song. Uh, this is off his album of the same name. Here's uh, Nick Drake with Pink Moon. I saw it written and I saw it say Pink Moon is on its way None of you stand so tall Pink Moon and I get you fascinating individual very haunting individual and the uh the cabrio is four-wheel drive which is uh great. so you guys That's you guys both news. you guys both went to catholic school i went to an episcopalian school. no I'm, oh, okay. I, I was raised catholic i went to a private school but um i went to like a sunday school every sunday and do you uh, guys know there's a biblical verse and uh it's like um, death rides a pale horse, and the horse's name is Cabrio. Do you know him? <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. I'm familiar with that. But oh, okay. Maybe I it isn't. <laughs> when I saw Donnie Darko in high school, I, I got a copy of um, A Brief History of Time and uh, you know read through it when I was like in calculus. Yeah. And I, I remember my headmaster for the school um, asking me about what I was reading, and he and he saw that book, and he was like, Hmm. <laughs> it's like very similar to the scene where you oh, know, yeah, Donnie's yeah, yeah. talking to his teacher. Noah, and his Noah Wiley like, from uh, ER. Yeah, Noah Wiley's like, I could lose my job if I. <laughs> that happened to me. <laughs> that's like I. That's actually a really good scene. That's like a. We should. We never talked about Drew Barrymore, who's who's yeah. uh, good in some scenes. But <laughs> when she makes um, Gretchen, when Gretchen shows up, and she like uh, kind of facilitates her sitting next to Donnie is a pretty funny oh, scene. I thought that was horrible of her to do that. <laughs> I was like, what, how mortifying would that be for a high schooler? Yeah, it's super weird. She just looked at them. She's like, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but I, I heard, uh, I think Drew Barrymore uh, helped get this movie uh, a wide release. Her and yeah, Christopher yeah. Nolan, was, I think they were instrumental. I think she probably helped get the movie made in the first place, actually. Yeah, that makes sense. Wait, how how is that uh, uh, end of the world song, Nick? Pink Moon is on its way, you know, kind of a uh, apocalyptic-themed uh, track. But it's also kind of eerie because, you know, he recorded that album. Uh, the, the album was kind of like his, like, suicide letter oh, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick Drake was a little bit of a gloomy Gus. Uh, yeah and he he was you know he didn't achieve a lot of uh success commercially you know when he was alive but he was just about to start getting a lot of attention with this release and you know sadly he uh, he ended his life like like maybe like right after he made that album yeah well supposedly he recorded a lot of the vocals for that record like laying down in the studio so oh yeah nick, yeah. nick style just yeah. like on the ground <laughs> gotta lay down man it's a back thing <laughs> I have to lie down with a towel over my face. <laughs> didn't he? Didn't that what he did? <laughs> oh, God. All right, Chrissy, what do you got to recommend for us? 
Uh, I've got uh, Donald Fagan, who is one half oh! of Steely Dan. Um, I've got his song uh, New Frontier off of his album Nightfly. So let's hear that. Steely Dan just go by Dan now? <laughs> oh, oh. Fucking no applause. Mean, mean. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Uh, I was, Donald I'm Fig. happy now. You just gave me uh, an excuse to post my copy of that record on the track listing Instagram account. Yeah. Track listing pod. Oh. Love that album. Uh, the Nightfly is um, one, of, I think, one of the best albums ever made. Um, apparently what i've heard is a lot of uh studio guys use it to perfectly level uh, uh or not studio guys but sound guys just use it to level uh sound systems because it's so like perfectly mastered they say that about every single steely dan right <laughs> <laughs> it happened in theater for a long time and like now you know, you'll see people that will show up and play a song from Asia and like everyone's just like, <laughs> take your big black cow and get out of here. And people are like, ah, Jesus Christ. I love that song. Uh, it's about um, uh, like a teenager trying to lure another, another girl back to his dad's fallout shelter in the 60s. Uh, you know, yeah. high to the Cold War, um, but like using, you know, something like, you know, you think you, you might be under like nuclear annihilation at any moment, but you're using your fallout shelter to like, you know, skis on some girl. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I get it. I get that. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Just a fun take on nuclear annihilation. Uh-huh. <laughs> good pick, Chris. Good pick, Chris. Good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Caleb, for the uh, for the nice soundtrack. Yeah, awesome pick, pick Caleb. Thank, and thank you, audience, for being here. It's always great. It's uh, um, now more than ever we need a live audience. <laughs> it's, it's real heroes, bravery. They're right all in, in hazmat studio. suits. I will say. Uh, <laughs> That's why these mics sound so good. <laughs> we don't let them wear gloves though, because we need that clapping yeah the real raw claps thank you everyone hope everyone's still staying safe uh whose pick is it next week i think it's yours nick yeah nicky it's your pick oh maybe i'll do s darko (laughs) (laughs) well happy easter everyone and uh merry christmas happy halloween happy halloween (laughs) oh merry easter thanks for listening we love y'all